0: To Searchcast, a podcast hosted by Isaacson Miller. My name is Rhett Sosby, and I'm the recruiting manager here at the firm and a producer of this podcast, along with Devin Benjamin, our podcast content manager. I'm pleased to introduce today's host, Kate Tucker Kennedy. Kate is a partner at Isaacson Miller with a particular focus for searches in our higher education and nonprofit practices. Over the past few years, Kay has established a deep practice in the diversity and inclusion space, recruiting searches for diversity and inclusion officers for institutions such as Harvard University, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Vanderbilt University, University of Pennsylvania, and Dartmouth College. Our first guest today is John Dozier, Institute Community and Equity Officer at MIT. An experienced higher education leader with significant experience in the areas of diversity and inclusion, John joined MIT from the University of South Carolina, where he served as the inaugural chief diversity officer and senior associate provost for inclusion. In those positions, John led the university's diversity and inclusion efforts, as well as its coordinating office for community engagement and service learning. Our second guest is Tracy Jones, assistant dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the School of Humanities, Arts, and Social Sciences. Prior to her current role, Tracy was the Director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging at Harvard's Graduate School of Education. There, she advanced initiatives and developed programming for faculty, staff, and students. We are thrilled to have you, John and Tracy, and with that, I'm going to turn it over to Kate.
1: Thanks, Rhett. Um, I look forward to the conversation. John and Tracy, thanks for agreeing to do this. To get us started, I'd love to hear, I know both of you started your careers in other fields. Um, How is it that you found yourself working in the DEI space? And maybe let's start with John.
2: Thank you so much, Kate. I want to start by thanking you for the opportunity to to be here. I have to say that um, my journey into higher education was actually, um, maybe it was a bit of Providence in in the sense that uh, I was the black sheep of my family who went into business. Everyone else was, for all intents and purposes, educators, and so, and so, uh, uh, you know, it's funny how your roots have a way of magnetically drawing you back uh, to them. Um, most of my corporate experience was around business process redesign, and I got started working for a company and, and just really started thinking that my life should have much greater purpose, and so I got into higher education. And really, it wasn't until I got to the University of South Carolina that I really kind of understood DEI as a field of practice. And and I had an opportunity to uh, build some structure and capacity for what would become uh, the uh, inaugural chief diversity officer at the University of South Carolina. And uh, in that process, uh, fell in love with work and and therefore then became the first chief diversity officer there. So, um I kind of maybe fell into uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work, but it it certainly comports with and fits um, as it relates to my own personal values and and what I find to be important about uh, the work that we do, not only in higher education, but um, across industry and maybe even society more broadly.
1: Great. Thanks, John. What about you, Tracy?
3: So interesting. I did not realize John came from a family of educators because I do as well. Um, However, I started out in sales um, and I realized sales, you know, it's a lot of negotiation. And I think diversity work um, is a lot of negotiation as well. But I came off of living on a tall ship, the Amistad, which is a reproduction of um, the slave ship Amistad. And we had just done the crossing of the Atlantic Ocean retracing um, the slavery route. And I had not known of this as a field um, and doing this program and, and working with universities and talking about the history of slavery and its connection to Europe and Africa. And then doing this collaborative work made me realize that this is a field that I can actually go into and there's more of an expansion outside of race when we talk about diversity. So. Happened to be on the boat, my captain taught um, at Harvard College. And when the uh, tour was over, we went back to Massachusetts. And I um, started at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And I didn't start as a diversity practitioner, but I started getting involved in some of the things with the students who were interested in issues around um, race, around class, around disability. And I just started to grow in the field at the ed school and then at Harvard um, throughout the university.
1: That's wonderful. I love the connection between your corporate beginnings and this work. Um, John, your point about systems and structure are really important in getting DEI initiatives accomplished. And, uh, Tracy, to your point, the sales and negotiation, uh, skills you learned early on, I'm sure you use day in and day out in your work. So thank you all for that background because I led the searches that brought you both to MIT, I know your stories, but um, for the audience, it might be helpful to hear about your journey to MIT specifically.
3: So I'll say I I was not looking to leave Harvard, but when I learned about the opportunity at MIT and that there was the strategic plan that was coming out and that there were a cohort of diversity practitioners that were going to be hired to do the work together, I was attracted to that idea um, because I've seen, you know, at so many institutions in which everyone is doing their own thing and there's no foundation, um, so that there's no way in which to develop a strategic plan and everyone can buy into. And so I was interested in in the ways that we would be able to grow together as an institution, but then have the individual work of the school. So that's what attracted me. And I will say I Googled John to see who I would be working with, because it's very important who's leading that initiative. Um, And I felt that his experience at the University of South Carolina is such a large system. um, I felt confident that he was going to be able to do the work at MIT.
2: Okay, so now I'm flattered and blushing.
1: (laughs) So, John, um, I know we had many conversations that uh, convinced you to consider a move to MIT. What um, What was the draw?
2: I think that it could be, simply put, impact. Um, mm. You're right. Uh, I, I wasn't necessarily looking for MIT. So again, uh, another point of similarity with, with Tracy. Columbia, South Carolina is home. Um, my wife and I still have a lot of family there. And quite honestly, I never really thought that I would be leaving uh, the University of South Carolina um, because I really in, enjoyed what I was doing there. And I, over the course of the seven years that I was diversity officer at the University of South Carolina, I, I saw change happen. And and I realized that, um, again, if you can do this work in a place like South Carolina um, at uh, the University of South Carolina, there's potential for doing this work really anywhere. And um, when you came, uh, Kate, <laughs> and you started talking with me a bit about MIT, I really kind of started thinking about um, how... I could scale impact. And and thinking about a place like MIT, uh, the world's most renowned uh, technical institute, um, focused on uh, science, engineering, uh, math, um, and certainly other fields, uh, I I really thought that, again, if you could do this work at a place like MIT, your impact could be both broad and deep. Broad in the sense that uh, you're able to impact uh, students, uh, postdocs, uh, who will go out in the world and and hopefully understand why uh, committing to diversity, equity, and inclusion is important. Deep in the sense that uh, things that happen at institutions like uh, MIT sometimes have a, a profound trickle down effect uh, across higher education. And so if we could think about innovative ways to uh, think about the practice of diversity equity and inclusion and, and those things could um, maybe inspire work at other institutions I mean this is the kind of institution I think that anyone would want to be at so this was a it was a, a difficult decision but I feel like it was the right decision also MIT is a, a really special place um, in the sense that um, again uh, we're not, uh, your normal comprehensive institution. Uh, our focus is 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 unique in the sense that we are a uh, a science and engineering uh, focused um, place. Um, and 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 again, I, I think connecting with uh, my inner nerd <laughs> um, really helps me to connect with uh, the work uh, that is inspired here at MIT and. And I really enjoy the uh, the spirit of entrepreneurship that exists here. Everyone um, sees uh, opportunities, challenges as um, moments where we need to roll up our sleeves and dig in. And and uh, the work that we're doing around DEI really is no different in that regard.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Since Tracy mentioned the strategic plan, that was part of what drew her into considering her role. Um, John, do you wanna talk about um, the plan, other things you've been able to accomplish, your hopes and aspirations for MIT in the DEI space?
2: Sure. So we got started with the development of the strategic plan back in September of 2020. And I I would say that uh, it was pretty apparent that Uh, MIT maybe needed a strategic plan, even when we were going through the interview process. Um, I would say that MIT, uh, like a lot of institutions, are doing a lot of really important work, and they've done historically a lot of really important work around diversity, equity, and inclusion. But that work was um, maybe a little uncoordinated. And um, MIT, like many other research institutions, is a very decentralized place. And so it became apparent that we needed maybe a little more coordination around our efforts so that uh, members of our community didn't experience the differential impact of discoordination when they move from one department to another uh, or one uh, school or academic unit to another. And so uh, the strategic plan was really born out of that. And, and so as we think about what that looks like, again, I often use terms like alignment, alignment of our um, resources and our activities, Uh, coordination. um, Again, thinking how we do things uh, in a much more coordinated way uh, across schools, across departments, Um, and also highlighting and scaling um, effective practices that are happening across MIT in ways then that we're able to get more from uh, what we understand as uh, being things that work at MIT and so the strategic plan really centers us uh, around that and, and and therefore that's really what um, I hope that the, the legacy at least of my appointment or my t- my tenure at MIT um, would be is uh, to help us to understand clearly the promise of what, uh, DEI can offer uh, to the fulfillment of our mission as an institution, and how we as an institution can uh, rally behind that and and get this work done.
1: Thanks, John. Um, Tracy, you were kind of a part of the cohort that um, John was hoping to hire to help ensure that consistency, continuity of experience across the school. So. Talk to me about the work you've been doing at Shass and what you've been able to accomplish.
3: I think I want to say the, the first year, and my year was July 1st, was actually listening and learning. Um, and being at the School of Humanities, Arts, and Social Sciences is very different in a place like MIT um, because the focus is so much on science and engineering. However, I feel that the departments, you know, at my school have so much to offer When we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, because when you think about the history department and how they look at the history of marginalizations of communities and how communities have come together to do work, um, when you look at philosophy and you ask the question, you know, what is this diversity thing? um, Anthropology, economics. I think, you know, my school has so much to offer in terms of helping with the strategic plan and moving the work forward. In terms of what I've been working on, uh, we have a conference coming up in October. A global conference that's coming out of um, our CMSW department, which is Comparative Media Writing Studies, and it's on um, surveillance, and it's called "Bearing Witness: Videography in the Hands of the People," and it's looking at after George Floyd, how you use cell phones um, in order to to protect, you know, your community, but then how is How are cell phones and also surveillance, how is it taking away your your freedom and your autonomy? So it's amazing to me, the people who have submitted proposals, who are coming to speak. It's from all over the world, and we even have people coming in from Ukraine. So I'm really excited about what I'm able to work on um, and how not only it contributes to MIT, but how it will contribute to learning throughout the globe. So that's one thing. And then the second thing I'm working on is a lecturer review, reviewing our lecturers at the School of Humanities and Arts and Social Sciences because most institutions rely on lecturers. And we haven't seen an in-depth study on what that means, what they're teaching, how they're compensated, how they contribute to pedagogy. And so I'm really excited about um, that report that I'll be submitting, hopefully in the beginning of the fall.
1: That's wonderful. Fantastic to hear and congrats on your anniversary at MIT. Um, My last question is really to kind of help others um, in this space doing this work currently. And I'm curious what advice you might have for others who are seeking transformational change um, at their institutions and their organizations um, around DEI. Let's start with you, Tracy.
3: You know, and John, I was being honest in, in terms of Googling you to see who I was going to be working with. Cause I think that's one of the most important things. If you're not working, you know, with someone who's like-minded and, and who's collaborative, it's hard to do this work. You also have to work with people who you trust and, and who trust you um, because it's not easy. And a lot of this comes from emotion. You know, when people are speaking up or speaking out and looking for things, a lot of where they're, they're, you know, where their concerns are coming from are emotional and lived experience. And so being able to step back from that and engage them in a conversation that's more inclusive is back to, like I said, negotiations. And the reason why I think people should think about why you're stepping into this work is because you need to think about what lens you're using. Um, and I don't know if John will speak to this, but one thing that you know he's talked to me about is leadership, You know, using the lens of leadership in how you approach this work. And I think that's truly the way that we should be thinking about it because we're all leaders, whether it's you know, top down or bottom up. Um, and when you see diversity through that lens, you're able to start to transform an environment. And so that would be my suggestion to folks. I think of adaptive leadership when I think about that, uh, Ron Heifetz work. Um, and then also I would say, why do you want to get into this work? Um, what what are your ultimate goals, you know, for the institution, for yourself? Um, And how far do you think you're going to be able to move the needle? I think you need to set realistic expectations. Um, People think they're going to transform an institution that's been around for hundreds of years. In, In two years, that's unrealistic. But what is realistic about how you can get the institution to move in a direction that's more inclusive? I think setting realistic goals being with the team who really supports you, and having leadership who who have a clear vision on how that work is going to happen. I think that makes the job rewarding for me.
2: Thank you, Tracy. I I would ditto everything that Tracy said. Um, But before responding, I'd also say uh, that um, obviously I had an opportunity to Google Tracy before she came on board. Um, uh, Kate, Uh, bringing folks like Tracy uh, to uh, the Institute um, has made this work um, a little easier to do. I I think it. I'm not necessarily the person that believes that uh, human resources will solve all of your diversity problems. They don't. But I think when you bring thoughtful people together um, and people who can uh, work Well together uh, to think about what are the challenges and 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 think about what are the potential solutions and then act upon that. Uh, It's it's always a magical uh, thing to happen, and so I'm very glad to be working with with Tracy. Um, I I would maybe take to add to trace what Tracy's offered, and but maybe take it a, a little bit different direction. One of the things that that we're now starting to talk about amongst uh, diversity officers is how do you measure the impact of the work uh, that you're doing and I think that um, you know if you're thinking about transformational change you ha- you have to think about um, well then how are you me- measuring that transformation? What does that look like and and I know at a place like MIT uh, it's it's easy to kind of reduce this to uh, the quantitative, but the qualitative can't be um, understated. Um, making sure that you understand what are the experiences uh, of your community in ways then that you can uh, think about programs and, and policy changes or process changes that uh, will most directly have an impact on the lived experiences um, of the people who um, have been, uh, certainly the people who have been marginalized or subject to, to discrimination and harassment um, within the institution. But um, understanding that that's, uh, that's also a tie that raises, raises all boats in the sense that, again, when you create uh, a, a community where uh, there's a much stronger sense of belonging and, and value and worth, that um, all employees benefit from that. Um, and so, again, I think measurement is an important uh, part of that. Um, I would also say that uh, thinking about this through the lens of, of change management, and th- these may be obvious things to, to think about, but um, I, I often say that I'm not necessarily a diversity expert. It's hard to say that once you've been doing this for nine years, I, I suppose. But um, I, the majority of my career has really, again, been around uh, business process redesign and change management. So how do you identify where an institution is, You know, hold a mirror up so that we can be clear about who we are in the moment and understand where we want to be, and then develop a process to get us from... Uh, where you are to where you want to be, um, and 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 so thinking about change management and, and understanding what models maybe resonate with you. Uh, I, for one, kind of gravitate towards you know Kotter's uh, eight steps of change, and 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 thinking clearly about again how can you uh, build uh, a community that uh, is ready to uh, to move. Um, And and then, just to elaborate a little bit on something that uh, Tracy uh, mentioned, thinking about uh, DEI through the lens of leadership um, and leadership competency. I would say that in my career um, as a diversity officer, uh, the vast majority of problems that come to my uh, office or come to my attention are, are rarely purely uh, diversity, equity or inclusion issues. They're, they're most often leadership issues whereby someone is asserting <laughs> uh, you know, discrimination or harassment on the basis of their uh, sex, gender or uh, other identity factors. And, and, and so um, you know, understanding your own leadership, understanding uh, leadership very broadly I think is important and then recognizing that uh, to the extent that you can help to instill uh, inclusive excellence in the leadership of an institution, I think that helps uh, to make that transformational change uh, more possible.
1: That's great. Thank you both so much for this time. I am um, so, so honored to have played a small role in bringing you both to MIT. And I feel So fortunate to be able to witness the great work that you all are doing as DEI leaders at the Institute. Um, So thank you again for this time and all that you've shared with us today. I will turn it back over to Rhett now.
0: Thank you all for that conversation, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Follow along as we continue to celebrate 40 years of impact throughout 2022. We would love for you to subscribe to this podcast so that you can catch up on our old episodes, as well as be the first to hear new ones. And we'd also invite you to visit IMSearch.com for more information or follow Isaacson Miller on our socials LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Isaacson Miller and Miller's podcast content provides general information only and does not constitute recruiting guidance or advice. No representations or warranties are made with respect to the accuracy or completeness of this content. All liability from the use or misuse of Isaacson Miller's content is hereby expressly disclaimed. The content contained in our podcasts should be used only at your own risk.